This is Franchise Today, brought to you by FRM Solutions, providers of the best-in-class software solutions for franchise relationship management. Franchise Today is your destination for weekly information, conversations, and interviews with accomplished industry leaders, all of whom share best practices for sustainable growth and sensible franchising. Here now, your host, Stan Friedman, to kick off this week's podcast. Today is Wednesday, May 10th. I'm Stan Friedman, and this is Franchise Today. Well, today's episode is going to run a little long because my guest today not only has so much to share, but two, because she's such an eloquent speaker. I so thoroughly enjoyed my conversation with Sabrina Wall when we recorded it that I didn't want to edit any of it out. More about that when I introduce you to her in just a couple of minutes. But first, thanks to my friend Lenny Valentino, President and Chief Operating Officer at Midas International. If I had a dollar for every ounce of passion that Lenny exudes, I'd be a multimillionaire. What a great guy, too. And with 2,100 stores under his charge, you know what a busy guy he must be. So I really do appreciate you, Lenny, for taking the time to share your story here with us on Franchise Today. Okay, let's get a quick break behind us here. And when I return... I'll introduce you to Sabrina Wall, CEO at the Franchise Brokers Association. Don't go away. Franchise Today will be right back, but first, a word from our sponsors. Franchisors of restaurants, bars, and grills, and multi-unit franchisees, listen up. This message is for you. If you're looking to engage guests, elevate profits, and enhance your customer experience, Atmosphere TV is the answer. What's Atmosphere, you ask? Atmosphere is the world's number one streaming TV service for businesses, here to help you make more and save big on overpriced cable packages. Atmosphere provides you with a free programming option, bringing more than 60 ultra-engaging audio-optional channels designed to please customers and increase their average ticket. So, how does it work? Well, it's easy. Upon sign-on, Atmosphere sends you a free device loaded with over 60 channels of eye-grabbing entertainment. From news and sports to viral videos and fuzzy animals, every channel is family-friendly and designed to keep your customers happy and engaged. Plus, thanks to Atmosphere's 100% audio-optional format, the programming is perfect for any setting, no matter how loud or busy. Atmosphere isn't limited to restaurants or bars either. Any business with a TV screen can benefit from better entertainment. So, stop playing and paying overpriced cable. Go with free TV instead. Chiropractors, doctors, dentists, auto shops, anyone with TV in their waiting rooms can jump on this amazing offer. Just go to atmosphere.tv forward slash sign up and use the code FRANCHISE and Atmosphere will waive the usual one-time $99 activation fee for your free-to-stream device. Visit Atmosphere online at atmosphere.tv and remember, use the code FRANCHISE to waive your one-time activation fee. Visit atmosphere.tv to elevate your franchise's entertainment experience today. The Franchise Brokers Association website says the right opportunity changes lives. We're committed to empowering people through honest franchise guidance so they can positively impact their communities through a business they love. We're an elite group of franchise brokers committed to upholding the highest industry standards. We exist with a purpose and a passion, and that's to empower people, businesses, and communities through secure franchise opportunities. And we do it all with a commitment to ethics, education, and proof. If you're ready to chart your own course, we'll hand you the compass. 
Joining me now, Franchise Brokers Association CEO, Sabrina Wall. Sabrina Wall, welcome to Franchise Today. Thank you so much for having me, Stan. I can't remember the last time that we saw each other. Probably could be, I don't know, 10 years ago, eight years ago. I remember being at one of your conventions in Orlando and Paul Segreto was a speaker that year. I can't pull it out, but I know that I was so impressed then and have remained impressed since about how Franchise Brokers Association does something so differently than many others in the approach that you've taken to brokerage. And we're going to talk about it and unpack all that as we progress here today. But first things first, Sabrina, you have to tell us how franchising found you and when that was. What were you doing and how did it happen? Isn't that funny how life does find you? And thank goodness it does, because sometimes the path that we are taking isn't really going to help us fulfill our desires. And when I was going through the process of looking for a franchise myself, I was in the insurance field, so insurance sales. And that experience was one where I really loved the clients and the people that I worked with, but I did not enjoy at all what I was selling and promoting because people do not like buying insurance. At least that was my experience. They didn't enjoy the premium increases. It was something that they needed to have, but that they didn't love. And so through the process of finding a franchise to invest in with a partner, I found out about becoming a franchise broker and decided to become a franchise broker as an add-on to what I was doing with my insurance business. The original plan was, well, maybe I will help people find a business and then I'll help them with the insurances for that business. So it was to be an add-on to what I was currently doing. But I really fell in love with franchising because when you're going from an industry where people don't really like what you have to sell to an industry where people are on the edge of their seat, just engaged and interested and curious about where their life can take them and what potential they could possess. Like that feeling for me, it just triggered something in me, a passion that I had never known before. I didn't know that work could be that enjoyable. And so I became a franchise broker. I started a franchise and about six months months in, I sold my insurance brokerage business and uh, continued in franchising full-time and have never looked back. So that was 2006. And we started the association in 2008. And now it's been a long time. (laughs) But you were a franchisee of other brands as well, if I remember correctly. And what I read, you had an interest in a couple of franchise concepts that weren't just involved in brokerage, right? Right. I owned a commercial cleaning franchise where I was a unit franchisee, but my partner and I would take troubled accounts and work with the franchise system to help us learn how to convert them into well-performing accounts. And so through that process of working hand-in-hand with the franchisor, we were able to grow that business to the second largest franchisees in the Central Florida market. So we were award-winning and that franchise still exists today. My partner, my former partner, she runs it still, but 
but I went through the whole term of the 10 years and then at, at the renewal time, she took it over. So yes, yeah, so we started that franchise and I got to live the experience of being a franchise owner. And that really gives perspective on helping people get into becoming a franchise owner. And I did it wrong in that when I became a franchise owner, I didn't really do much research on the franchise I was selecting. I had no idea what I was doing. I looked at some list online and said, okay, this one looks good. <laughs> I didn't really know how to research or understand how to research. And I didn't understand what I was buying. So when I got into the franchise, I started recreating the wheel. And about six months in, we were not doing well at all. And that's when we went to the franchise system and said, help, we're struggling. What do we do? And they helped us to understand what we had been doing wrong in trying to recreate things and not relying on the support of the franchise and not being involved. And so I learned the different experience of when you work with the franchise and you really focus on them and what support they can offer and partner with them in your business, they give you attention and they give you support. And when opportunities come up within the franchise, they call on you and they give you a chance. And through that process of working with the franchise, you know, doing it without the franchise first and then doing it with the franchise in partnership, it just exploded and it got to be a very successful recurring revenue income stream. And so it was very liberating to have a business, to have a good relationship with the franchise and to continue growing. And it allowed me to do other things like get into other franchises and grow my brokerage business and start the Franchise Brokers Association. So you were Z for the commercial cleaning service. And were you not also involved in Planet Beach? Yeah. Yes. We had a location in Jacksonville, Florida. It's a tanning and spa concept. And so we did that. I did that with partners as well. And I also helped to run franchises for an investor group. And those, we ran hair salons, and then we also ran hamburger restaurants. You have quite the diverse background. Very interesting. <laughs> and all of this came almost right out of college, right? Pretty much, yeah. So where'd you go to school and what'd you study for? Because it certainly wasn't this, right? No, I went to school for information technology and graduated with a computer science degree in MIS. And I... <sighs> I don't think I'm really a computer programmer type of personality, but I was just going to school to do something that I could get a good job afterwards. So I really didn't have a clear understanding of what suited me as I was going through school. I was just trying to do well in life, you know, and when I got out, I got hired with a company right away and absolutely hated it. <laughs> like I hated every day going to work and looking through code and it just wasn't something that I wanted to do for one day, let alone a whole career. And I wanted to be outside. I would look outside the window and just see how beautiful it was and think, 
why am I not out there? Like, I want to be outside. I want to be free. I don't want to do this. And a friend of mine said, well, why don't you look at sales or marketing or something? And I never really had thought of anything like that. And so I did it. And I moved into kind of a sales environment, learned some sales through the insurance, and then within a few years found franchising. It's a great story. And I love it. And I think it's, again, it's emblematic of how people in our space, whatever that is defined by brand-wise, franchising is just something that considering that we didn't plan for it and we didn't start banking money to invest in it, it just somehow comes knocking on our door and like hits us upside the head like a two by four. Well, it's a very good structure of business because it gives just the average person freedom to be a business owner, but it also gives them the opportunity to do that in a safer way with the kind of like the the supports along the way, the the help, the guidance to be successful in choosing that path. And business ownership is hard and it's got a lot of complexity. So when you do that with a franchise system that really guides you toward that support, you learn how to be a successful business owner and you're not having to figure everything out. So I think it's easy to fall in love with franchising once you get how powerful the structure is of a franchise. It allows people to be free and be independent and be a business owner and not have the whole weight of figuring out everything, which can be exhausting and difficult. There's so many components to running a business and franchising just has less of those. Could not agree with you more. I'd like to take a quick break here. And when we come back from that break, I really want to take a deeper dive into understanding the birth of the Franchise Broker Association, your role in that. So we're going to come back and pick up from there and talk about what it was you started and how this many years later it's grown into all of that and more. We're talking today with Sabrina Wall, the CEO of the Franchise Brokers Association, and we'll be right back. Franchise Today will be right back, but first, a word from our sponsors. We are all familiar with Vistage, YPO, and EO. Well, now comes Zorforum, a somewhat similar type of executive group, but this one comes with a twist. Zorforum groups are exclusively for franchisors. Imagine a peer group for sharing and networking on a platform built exclusively for franchise executives. Zorforum members are afforded unparalleled access to best practices and some of the brightest minds within the franchising world through regular meetings and a dedicated communications platform. In this post-COVID world, a franchise-specific mastermind or peer group is an endeavor worth making time for. Zorforum groups of 6 to 10 will bring leaders together that are in similar situations, but with exclusivity in terms of their competitive sets, so that each can openly help others benefit from their respective knowledge, perspective, and experience with no fear of competitive loss. Network, learn, strategize, and remain motivated along your journey. Join a peer group, not just any peer group. Join the only one designed for emerging franchisors. Join Zorforum. Learn more at Zorforum.com. That's www.Zorforum.com. 
My conversation today continues with Sabrina Wall, CEO of the Franchise Brokers Association. And Sabrina, we left off talking about the birth of the association, how it actually came about. What light bulbs caused that to go off? And did you do that on your own or like in your prior instances, did you get involved in the beginning of this venture with partners as well? So as a franchise broker coming out of a kind of technical schooling, I became a broker and found that the resources and tools that were available weren't really to the level of sophistication in comparison with the buyers that we were talking to. You know, you're dealing with people that are very sophisticated. They have a lot of financial wherewithal and they're used to a certain level of presentation and skill in the process. And I was young and maybe a bit insecure about having that conversation with these people that were much more experienced than me. And so it led me to want to do whatever I could to present myself well so that I could earn their trust and loyalty. And so I started developing all of these presentations and a database to research and kind of fine-tune what franchises would be best for particular buyers. Because at the time, the way that franchise brokers worked is they would only really know and get good at about 10 franchise brands. And then they would just sell those 10 franchise brands or promote those 10 brands to everyone that they talked to. And I didn't enjoy that process because I felt like I was not listening to and really offering solutions to the people that I was working with in a way that suited what their request was. So I went on this process of working really hard to build the tools that I needed in order to present well and speak to the solutions that the buyers were asking for. And that process also had me reviewing franchise disclosure documents because I wanted to learn. I was so thirsty for knowledge and information. So I was reading all of these franchise disclosure documents and legal agreements and, and learning about the nuances of the ways that franchises presented themselves and then starting to pick up trends and getting a lot of insight about how franchises were running their businesses. And through that process, I decided that I wanted to share this information and I wanted to have other brokers and I work together to kind of distribute the work where we could all kind of apply a few franchises. And my plan was, okay, let's break up all of these franchises and you take the presentations for this one and you do this one and you do this one and we'll all come together so that we don't have to have so much repetitive work being done. And so that was the idea. And I wasn't trying to start a business. I was just trying to work with the people around me and reduce duplication so that we could be more efficient and provide this broader scope of franchises to the people that we were working with. And I started doing this and then we had this massive amount of duplication, meaning like each PowerPoint that was sent to another broker and another broker, they would change it a little bit. And now we had all these different copies. So when we had to update 
complete it on an annual basis, you had a hundred copies. So it became a little arduous in how we were updating the information. So I went to the organization that I was a part of, and I basically said, I want to give you all of these materials. If you could house them, I'll even help you maintain them. But if you can house them, then we'll have one central place where we can use these materials and we can just be more efficient. And at the time they told me, we don't want you talking to other brokers. We don't want your tools. And we're not interested in growing in this way. Like we are happy the way things are. We don't want you doing this. And I didn't understand. To me, it was like, well, why would you not want us to grow? Like we want to grow. We want to make something huge out of this. Like we want to advance and become experts in our field and have all these insights and do a better and better job. And they just didn't want that. And it's their business. It's their right. But to me, it felt so painful. Like, why wouldn't you want us to be strong and good together? And so I went to a team of advisors that I had around me that helped me in my brokerage. And I asked them, will you help me start an association where we can provide these tools? So we had about seven founders that formed a board and helped us to launch and create the association. So I primarily did it with my husband and myself, and then this board that also provided the insights and tools and advisement on how to be successful in this process. And so, yeah, it was a, a group effort for sure. The members of the association all participated in the results of the association. And we've always kept a really open dialogue between members. So it's grown throughout the years as a result of everybody kind of contributing contributing to the results of what it's producing and producing what brokers actually need in their day-to-day business to be successful and to present themselves in the best way and present the franchises in the best way to those candidates. So you then selected from a universe of carefully vetted franchise concepts that you thought would be worthy of investment in, and then what? Did you go approach those franchisors to become part of your inventory, or how did you forge your relationships with the franchisors to assure that you could represent their brands to your candidates that were learning about opportunities through you? Yeah, I went to them and asked if I could put them on the, we call it the FLS. I asked them if we could put them on the FLS and if they would send me marketing materials and anything that they had and could they fill out these forms. And I went on this massive effort to get them into inventory just so that we could have the resources that we needed and we could have it categorized in a way that we could do better matches for the franchise and the the candidate. And then, like I mentioned before, I started reading disclosure documents all the time. It was difficult because it's a long legal document, but to me, it was so important for the role. And so I was starting to understand, oh, well, this franchise, they have had a lot of change in their leadership. And as a result, they've had a lot of losses. Maybe this one isn't the one that I want to present right now. Let's let them get through this challenging timeframe and then 
then we can revisit the brand after they've settled. Or this one, wow, they have uh, just a consistently strong retention rate or their financials are really strong. And you can see that in the financials, how they're doing running their business, you can see how the franchise owners are doing well as a result of that. So I started diving into those components. So it was important for me to be able to teach the franchise brokers how to assess the brands as well. Like, what are you looking for? Where are the trends? What are the things that we can find in these disclosure documents? And how can we, again, match the candidates more appropriately knowing these components? And so we started building tools within the system that allowed us to quickly assess the franchises on just kind of a snapshot, what's going on inside of their disclosure document and what are things that we need to know so that we can help the buyers ask questions that can give them clarity. And I think that's a very almost dangerous approach because the franchises are the ones that pay us and they pay our fees. And so here we are looking at and reviewing the quality of the brands. And so it took a lot of courage and I think it continues to take a lot of courage to always be addressing that and not letting just the sales opportunity to be what rules our decisions. And so we had to open a dialogue when a franchise isn't doing as well or is struggling and start talking to them about what's going on with their brand and take the position of we are a long-term partner with you and we want you to succeed. Here are the things that are potentially hindering our ability to do that and could be struggles for you once you gain franchise owners if they're not corrected. So what are the plans to correct that? Now, some franchises will easily and quickly say, oh my gosh, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And I love that that feedback will work on correcting it. And some franchises aren't as willing to work through the issues. They kind of believe that they have what they need in order to continue selling and to continue growing in the way that they're growing. And they're less amiable to those types of suggestions. And so they tend to get a little less focus from our organization because it reduces the number of applicants or uh, buyers that would be a match for them when they are, I guess, closed to suggestions, not as open to working through things. They kind of have just their way. It's not a problem. It's just different ways of doing business and different speed at which you do business. I think that what I'm hearing you very, very diplomatically try to say is there's a huge difference between franchisors whose eyes are on the recurring revenue lines as compared to those whose eyes are on the initial fee lines. Yes, that's and, correct. I mean, if we're going to dance around it, let's just call it out, right? Because that's what I hear. So what about other franchise organizations in the brokerage space? Do others pay that kind of heed or are you standing alone against the tide that's going in the other direction? I'm going to give you an answer, but I don't know that it's the right one. <laughs> it's certainly contrary to traditional 
belief, but I don't actually look at what other competitors do and what they offer. I just focus on what we do and people will tell us as they're going through the due diligence process, things about what one brand does and doesn't have. And from that, I would say nobody's really doing that level of assessment and summary of the brand's qualifications and their risks and opportunities. But from a like really clear perspective, I can't speak to that because I don't go that route. I just feel that each company has their own unique ecosystem and how they operate and that's theirs and we have ours. <laughs> well, that's fair enough and I'm going to let it park right there. Talk to me about what goes on when a candidate engages with one of the brokers in your association and the level of involvement that you've got. Whereas I know that most brands are going to show two or three different potential franchises that would interest after doing some of the introspective work that the broker does with the candidate. But I don't know of any broker associations or broker organizations that actually do any educating on the candidate level of learning about how to do a business plan or the things that are rudimentary to a business, whether you do it with a franchise or not. How engaged do you get in that? Do you do any of that at all? We give them a business plan template. We don't do the business plan with them. We do business modeling. So we basically help them to see what type of business model they would be a best fit for and what they're trying to accomplish. And so we focus there. As far as education goes, we have a ton of education in the process. So we have webinars, we have emails, we have checklists, we have all kinds of tools to help the candidates understand what they need to check at each step of the process and how they need to handle that step of the process. What are the things that they're looking for? What are the things that should create an additional question in their mind and that they need to get more research on? We also encourage that all franchise buyers speak with a franchise attorney. You're getting into a long-term contract, an agreement with a franchise. You should know what that agreement entails and not knowing what it is. Not that it's going to be negotiated in any significant way, but knowing what your partnership or your relationship is going to look like and the requirements and restrictions around that and fully understanding those, I think is a critical piece to starting on the right foot. And we do tend to take the approach of it's better to know 100% what you're getting into and have clarity about the picture in front of you, as opposed to having just blotches and pieces of information and then getting into it with improper expectations. So we try to fill in that picture, even if it's not perfect or pretty, if it's honest and true, you can work through that if you're a reasonable professional. And we prefer to have honest and true in the forefront. So that's what we do. I love it. So how many brokers are involved in the association and what does it take for them to pass muster as qualified to fly your flag? We have about 180 brokers and we do have a strict 
qualification process because we're very, very support heavy. So the industry is typically pretty simple in how they train franchise brokers and they might give them some ongoing training or support. But what we're doing is very, very support intensive. So we're having many meetings with every broker every day during the week. We're going through like a full process in that first year of launching them. We have multiple sessions per day. And so because we do have that level of intense launching and onboarding, we do select people that are mostly a cultural fit. We want people that are going to be willing to do a little bit extra work to make sure that the brand is right for the candidate. We want people that are willing to focus on communication and helping the franchisor communicate what they need to the candidate and the candidate communicate to the franchisor what they need. And we have our brokers really trained in communication skills and making sure that they're getting people in alignment in a discussion so that they can see each other and have empathy for each other and get the best results out of that. And then we also focus on people who have really high leadership skills because they're a leader who's creating other leaders, who's creating other leaders. And if you're going to empower leaders, you need to understand what makes a leader. So we look for people who have that kind of development mindset, that inspiration, creative mindset, and are able to bring out the best in people and we also develop their strategic thinking as well. So what are the ways to get into this business that help them figure out the right path for being most successful when they launch? And how do they position themselves with the franchise? And that strategic mind is really needed in business. And when our brokers come to us, that's one of the things that we put a lot of focus on. Like, how good are you at problem solving and being solution-oriented and creating a strategy because this business, this is a strange business in that it's not cookie cutter. You don't do the same thing every time. Instead, each situation has its own little hooks and nuances. And so you have to know how to work through those things and be good at getting people in a solution-oriented mindset so that they can overcome the problems and not let those things stop them from being who they're meant to be. So yeah, we look for brokers that have leadership, communication, and strategy. They're good at creating solutions and they have to go through an application. They have to go through an assessment. They have to go through, instead of just traditional validation, we actually have our brokers vet them. So our brokers tell us, oh my gosh, this one's not good. And <laughs> this one wasn't organized. They weren't clear. They weren't able to handle some of the questions. And so they'll tell us when things are going awry and then we make decisions based on that. So we have multiple layers of qualification before they're able to come into the association. So our goals are not to be the biggest. Our goal is to focus on building really high quality people who enjoy working together and are doing a lot of good. And then on the brand side, you talked earlier about how most brokers out there will get comfortable with eight or 10 brands 
that they continue to show. How many brands do you have in inventory these days? And does that cover the whole range of need and interest for a candidate to be able to pick from a category that would be best suited for them because you've got one of those? We have about 500 brands in inventory, and then we have access to about 3,000. So there's a lot of people that want like something very specialized or niche, maybe something in their particular area that they know about or have heard. So I don't think that we answer all situations, but we have a lot of infrastructure to be able to help a lot of people. We focus more on those brands that are really about 50 to about 500, 600 units. Those are, that's kind of the sweet spot in franchising because they've got the legs underneath them. They're growing, but they're still really adaptable and easy to work with and innovative and their operational model. What about size of the concepts that are, you said 50 to 500, but is size really the benchmark or is the mentality and the unit level economics and the culture as much and as important? Would you work with a brand that was smaller than that if all those other components were looking right? Yeah, of course. There's going to be different types of buyers. So some buyers are more entrepreneurial and don't want a really strict system. They want to have the influence. They want to be able to get a great deal. So they want to get much larger territories and lower prices and uh, have the ability to kind of influence the system in those earlier stages. And they like working with the founders. And then we have empire brands as well, but they're just harder because they don't have as much territory. Culture is very, very important. And the merit of the brand and their unit level economics, those are all very important. I think I'd be remiss if I didn't give you the opportunity to call out the name of somebody who is one of the providers of data to help you flesh that out because she's a good friend of both of us, right? Oh, yeah. Rebecca Monet was Oracle. She does this absolutely fantastic tool that's been used in franchising for about 30 years. And the tool takes seven different behavioral sciences and creates basically a profile of what the person that is looking at buying the franchise would be best suited for. So when you know how to read these assessments, they're incredibly enlightening and everyone always says they're spot on because they give an exact depiction of what is going to work right for that individual. And then what she does or her company goes to the franchises and then they have their top mid and low performers take the assessments and then they match and say, okay, here are the profiles that do well. Here's the ones that don't do as well. And here's the ones that are right in the middle that are average performers. And so she provides access to that information in our process. So we can see what top performers look like. And this buyer's profile matches a top performer with these 20 brands. And so it makes it a lot easier for us to pinpoint where they're going to be most successful and where they're going to have their exceptional talents that are ingrained in them come out and be expressed as a business owner. In the time that's left to us, I want to ask some about benevolence because I've studied up a little bit about you, at least enough to know that you've been in 
involved almost your entire adult life with a charity that is probably really near and dear to you. You want to spend a minute talking about that? So Children's Home Society is an organization here in Florida, and they basically help children in need that are struggling with various situations. So they have different departments. And one of the departments is helping children with incarcerated parents. They found that when children have an incarcerated parent, they are far more likely to be incarcerated themselves. And so I volunteered to mentor a child with incarcerated parents. And it was just an incredible experience where I learned so much from her and just grew as a person and as someone who I thought I was doing it to help her, but she ended up helping me a whole lot. She is now an adult and she's married and she has children and she did not follow the path of her parents. So I'm somebody who I just love the process of helping people elevate and become more present and the best versions of themselves. I just encourage everybody, if you haven't volunteered, if you haven't taken any time to love yourself, spend a little time doing that because Lord knows you deserve it. (laughs) Lord knows you need it. So it will spark something in you that's really, really special and will help draw you to higher and higher levels of presence and being and love and life and all the good things that life has to offer that are always there, just slightly underneath the surface at any given time. I've always called it doing well by doing good. Yes, I love that, Stan. Well, let's do well and good for you by letting you tell the audience how they can get in touch with you. I'm certain there are franchisors out there that are going to want to learn more about tagging up with the FBA. So how do they do that, Sabrina? Yes, you can go to our website at franchiseba.com. That stands for Brokers Association. We also are on social media, Franchise BA as well. Our phone number is 407-787-9372. Awesome. Sabrina, this is kind of just blown by. I can't believe how much ground we've covered and we've done it very quickly and efficiently. Is there anything I didn't ask you today that you wished I did? No, I think we're good. Well, let me then end by saying thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for sharing so much. And I look forward to catching up with you along the way as we get into silly season in the fall. (laughs) It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Stan. Well, there it is, yet another fantastic conversation heading into the archives. Until next week when we do it all again, I'm Stan Friedman, wishing you the best, the very best of all things franchising, and Franchise Today is out. Franchise Today is a production of FRM Solutions, providing best-in-class CRM tools to empower relationships with prospective and existing franchisees. No excuses, just solutions. Find them online at frmsolutions.com. Join Stan every Wednesday at noon Eastern for another live episode of Franchise Today. Or, as always, download episodes on demand at blogtalkradio.com or iTunes. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.